0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special 4th of July episode of the Voxology podcast, maybe a couple of weeks later. But um, we want to talk about America today. It's going to be glorious. Before we get in, just a couple of disclaimers. Number one, um, my screen name on YouTube is Liam Nissan, and I know it's misspelled. So that was the joke. Nobody can see that, those
1: names though. Just FYI. Well,
0: unless they are t- the, well, I'm trying to Oh, they can't? No. Even on the YouTubes they can't? Nope. It's just our just our pretty So creepies. I go, oh, <laughs> So I go to all this effort to try to think of something cute and it doesn't even do Jack? Yeah, it does Jack. I mean, I I always appreciate it. Oh, yeah. But it's for the dear listener. Oh, I thought my friend that we do this. Okay, well, then that you don't need to know. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, Nirvana put it best in their first album when they said, never mind. Today, however, um, my daughter is rummaging around very loudly right now as I'm recording an international podcast (laughs) for the universe. (laughs) Yeah, totally loud. And um, she's going to work, so... And perfect job for her. She works at Aerie, which is this fashion clothing store for, like, girls her age. And so she gets a sweet discount. And uh, on top of how much an hour? <laughs> $11. $11 wow. an hour. That's pretty good, yeah. right? Or yeah, but is- you, factor in the, you factor in the discount, and then, oh, and there she is. For those of you on the YouTubes. Hello, Hannah. Hannah is leaving for college... Um, Literally a month from right now, when we're recording on July 10th. Oh, that's so. wild. Dang, dang! I'm too young to have two kids in college, bro. I can tell you that right now. You're actually Speaking not. Speaking of two kids in college, I just got home from therapy, so we're not gonna make we're not gonna make two middle aged white men in therapy a regular occasion. But Tim, I'm all in my feels, all in my feels. All your because we'll talk about stuff and then it'll be like. So how does that sit with you? And then I'm forced to reflect <laughs> on my feelings. That's so good for you. Is, that's just awful. Uh, just totally awful. So anyway, um, what we're going to do uh, over the next couple of episodes is we want to look, We want we want to take the template given to us through the seven oracles of Revelation, and we want to question or be curious about the ideologies that that surround us um obviously one of the the biggest that they had to deal with um is uh, assimilation into roman culture and one of the ways that looked was honoring the propaganda of the roman imperial system um, the honor of the emperor believing rome's story about itself um <laughs> and then um, the two other places where we really get specific about um, collusion, where where it's eat, uh, eat eating meat, sacrifice to idols, and uh, then sexual morality. Whether that was those were connected or two different things, uh, but it was so important to the early church. In Acts fifteen, when they have the big powwow about, hey, how Jewish do the Gentiles have to be to enter into the kingdom? Those two things were on the list of like four <laughs> things. So this was like the big deal uh, in the early church. So we want to take that process of discernment seriously. And like Tim was saying last episode, it's just way too easy to sort of write off non-Christian culture and embrace Christian culture instead of selectively engaging both. Yeah, And um, one of the things that, you know the scriptures are so so clear on um, is that Jesus told his fellow first century Jews that there was a way of holding their tradition that led them to miss Him, um, and and Paul encouraged the Gentiles to abandon the feudal elements of their cultural inheritance. Yeah,
1: putting Christ so, back in Christmas.
0: Yeah, yes. Um, putting Disney back into Disney. I mean, whatever it is. <laughs> putting Amy back into Amy Grant. I don't know. Uh, but this idea of questioning and being curious about and discerning towards the, the narratives of surrounding culture, I mean, that started with Jesus. And even the Jewish narratives uh, of the surrounding culture. He was deconstructing the faith of many as he was roaming around. And Paul does the same thing. Um, He talks about the elemental spirits um, of the universe and their human traditions that they have to um, move away from in order to embrace Jesus. And so money, sex, and power have always been top of the the list. And you're saying deconstruction is not a new phenomenon. I'm saying that um, deconstruction understood as discipleship is exactly what God has been about the whole time. So, yes. Now, and obviously, we did a whole episode on different kinds of deconstruction. But, I mean, the, the playful thing we want to say is if people want to look at the project that we're participating in, which is the excavation of assumptions and narratives that traditionally have held the category Christian, that is a necessary part of discipleship. That's not deconstructing the faith. That's actually seeking to be faithful. Um, And so when we get to the oracles and and you're reading about these groups that have infiltrated the church and have caused them to eat meat sacrifice to idols and to participate in sexual morality, as well as to, you know, as part of the eating meat issue is to buy the, you know, the imperial propaganda, then I think we have ample room to begin to ask questions around the money, sex, power myths uh, that pervade the American church. And it's not because we hate the church, and nor is it because we hate America. Um, this is just what it means to love Jesus and follow right. Jesus. And so um, what I, what I want to do is I want to review the story, just briefly, the story Rome told about itself. Um, and I want to review briefly the ways in which Revelation calls that story into question. And Then what I want to do is, uh, we want to Tim and I want to review the story America tells about itself, and be curious about the ways Revelation might call that story into question. Yeah. And I hate that <clears throat> all the disclaimers need to be given, but here come all the disclaimers. All right. So. Um, Keep out of reach of children. Yes. This we are we are professionals do not try podcasting at home. Um, It's very dangerous. (laughs) Now, here are the disclaimers. Um, My stepfather served in Korea. My father-in-law served in Vietnam. My father uh, was a Marine between those two conflicts. Um, I am utterly and absolutely delighted that of all the times and nations uh, to be born into—that um, America, at during the 1980s was the one that that, that I landed in. Um, the the British Revolution of Duran Duran and the New Romantic sound combined with Mary Lou Retton um, uh, just made America great in the 1980s. Anyway, um, <laughs> so and, and there is a very popular. Sort of a mood afoot to sort of hate on America and just reflect on uh, its badness in the world. Uh, likewise, there is a, a mood to just uncritically and unqualifiedly. Um, proclaim allegiance to the nation-state of America and and not countenance the idea, oh, no, there he is. He comes hopping (laughs) off the stairs, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of the spirit (laughs) of America. Ladies and gentlemen, Seth Erie. Seth, his uh, podcast radar was buzzing. Seth, (laughs) let me tell you right now, he has an unerring radar. I met someone at our church yesterday who uh, has become a new Voxology listener, and they... I, I think they were unaware we were at the church until they saw Seth. No way. And uh, and then recognized Seth from the podcast. Wait, they didn't know that you were you? I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. But who, this this wonderful woman recognized Seth as the celebrity Andrew. that he is. It's true. Yeah, and our friend Andrew. <laughs> Andrew? Um, yep, our friend Andrew, who is in a little band in the area, comes over and rocks out with Seth. So, Seth loves his music, and so this guy, how great <laughs> is this like seventeen year old kid to come uh, over and they he, rock out on their guitars?
2: He has a good g- g- guitar so what happened for Seth today
0: What happened to church today?
2: Uh, issue it's talking about giraffe.
0: yes, Andrew was talking about the giraffe when he went to Honduras. oh Honduras. yeah, that happened in church today, so it was a very big deal because Andrew. Was on the stage. And mm-hmm. um, and then did you do your Shema at the, at the close, of course?
2: Um, yes, we have Susie P. Ridd. with.
0: Susie Peeland, yeah. yeah. She, she taught and you did the closing of the service. Yeah. Guess who we are going to see next week? What? That guy we're looking at right there, Mr. Tim Stafford.
2: Nope. N- nope.
0: What do you mean, nope?
2: Definitely nope. <laughs> Tim. That's,
0: That's not a dip. Diff- well, there's Mr. Tim. Who was our friend, but this is also Tim Stafford, who oh, yeah. is our oh, yes. big that. friend. Yeah. Big fan. Big friend. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna we're we're going out to California.
2: i I have been, been at my camp.
0: Yeah, well, he's not gonna be at your camp. You're going to Alabama in Whoa. an hour. Oh wow. With camp with a family camp with his sweet mom, and they get to be spoiled all week. That's so fun. I know. This uh, somehow we got a we got underwritten for this camp. We're going for free. And um so anyway, um, super excited. I can get that. What?
2: Fox RC, you go ahead, grab the uh us um for god um, a give us um for Fox RC tv please. Good to join us. Subscribe uh, You want to uh,
0: subscribe? You want to hit that subscribe button? On YouTube?
2: On YouTube, we'll you like that. Yeah. We'll like the Fox All Dinner. Tomorrow, so Fox All see Us next week. And tomorrow, yeah. have the Fox Dinner.
0: Yes. Yep. I couldn't follow a lot of that, but it sounds wonderful. So they should absolutely do that, right? Yes. Yes. So him. Yeah, so what? Bless him? Yeah. Nice. So, Seth, we were talking about America.
2: America, nice. Nice. And
0: who <laughs> who does the Pledge of Allegiance at his school?
2: Um professor says Grove.
0: Yeah, Poplar Grove. Do you sometimes do the Pledge of Allegiance for everybody? No. Um, yeah. yeah. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. No. Seth announced, know, I don't know if he's announced we on here.
2: With the go games.
0: You did for the Grove Games, yes. And yeah. where was the Grove Games? At it, Poplar Grove.
2: Yes, uh Poplar Grove.
0: Did, did yeah. you do the Pledge of Allegiance there?
2: Um, no, It's, have, it's a good
0: Okay. Well, Seth, some days you're cooperative. <laughs> oh,
2: thanks, Mike. And some days you are some not. Some days, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know.
0: Anyway, uh, we're talking about America. Yep. Yeah, we're in the middle of disclaimers. Yes. <laughs> um, so we're, we're not advocating either, uh, hatred of a uh, country or, um, uh, unqualified love of country where we're, whether we live in Vietnam or China or Afghanistan or Honduras, I think we always have to be curious about the narratives that surround us and about yeah. where they might invite us into collaboration with empire. I've always felt like with, it's like parenting. I love my children to
1: the end of the earth. But if they're doing something that I think is incorrect, I'm going to confront that and say, hey, you know, because I care about you. Right. I'm going to tell you that this is, you need, you know, you need to clean up this thing. I feel the same way about America. It's like, it's not a lack of affection or pride when things are going wrong. I just saw a meme yesterday that was like, I can't remember who it was. It was like Frederick Douglass or something that was talking about. Um, it's precisely because I love America that I'm so critical of it. And yeah. then something yesterday too with like, and I don't know if this is true or not, but it was in Germany that they, they teach the Holocaust and all that kind of stuff because they're like, Hey, this is part of our history that we don't yeah. want to repeat and we want to learn and grow from. But here we're having a hard time with like, Pushing the, the bad things we've done out of sight and it's hard to yeah. grow and learn and grow from
0: yeah nothing so they're the, so they're the disclaimers disclaims yep um, so what we're what we're doing isn't at all denigrating the sacrifice of many 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 many, many people, but we're questioning the narrative um, and the ways in which that narrative gets baptized by the church. Yeah. that that's what we're doing so oh seth thank you okay why don't you go ahead and go back upstairs he was sitting there breathing in my ear uh and nibbling on my ear which was horribly distracting well, he's coming oh the really okay you but hold on buddy all right i need you to just be relatively quiet and paying attention all right okay, not just right. goofing around the whole time oh, okay can you do see- that Because we never goof around on the podcast, Seth. No, it's a serious work. This very serious. (laughs) All right. So let's talk briefly about uh, the story that Rome told about itself. Now, I am borrowing from uh, loads of resources and having this conversation, of course. And then when we get to the America stuff, um, I'm primarily borrowing from Michael Gorman's book, Reading Revelation Responsibly, sponsored by the letter R. So, um, (laughs) Revelation (laughs) reminds us that we inhabit a world of story and that those narratives shape the way we see reality and so on and so on and so on. And nearly all interpreters of Revelation understand that the book... Uh, except for the most conservative, uh, understand that the book, whatever else you make of it, is a parody of Roman imperial rule. Even though the book never says Rome, it talks about Babylon sitting on seven hills, and it's just yeah. un- you just it's unmistakable that you would have read this in the first century as um, appealing to Rome. And Rome mixed religion and politics, you know, to to a massive degree. Um, they had a, a, really it was a civic religion that was founded on six sort of ideals. One was the gods have chosen Rome. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Secondly, the Rome, Rome and its emperors are agents of the gods' rule and will, salvation and presence among human beings. Rome, therefore... Manifest the God's blessings, security, peace, justice, faithfulness, fertility among those who submit to Roman rule. And the rule of the gods through Rome was accomplished by redemptive violence. Um, that dominion or domination and pacification, those, you know, conquest, I mean, all of those were euphemisms for, <laughs> you know, the slaughter of a lot of people. Yeah. But it was evidence of Roman. The, the, be, Rome being blessed oh, by the gods. Golf. What's that honey?: it's Poplar grove. Yes.: Yeah. Well, poplar grove is definitely best blessed by the gods, yeah. too. Now.: yeah. um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> so
0: Okay. The emperor himself was worthy of praise, devotion and allegiance, because the emperor manifested the rule of gods on the earth. And then sixth, the imperial age is the long-awaited golden age. Like this had been dreamt about for eons and yeah. eons that there would come this kind of rule, this kind of peace, this kind of wealth, and the way Rome told this story was infinitely creative. Obviously, you didn't have media, but you would have coins, and so when you look at you just Google Roman coins from that time period, um, and there, it's nothing but here. Here's imagery of the goddess Roma sitting victoriously over her foes. You know, hear the different names of the emperors with different titles, um, being connected to Jupiter or Venus or one of the other high gods, um, and so so the way that you would tell this story over and over and over again is that you would have civic holidays, public feasts, Roman uh, altars. Um, you would burn incense during celebrations and parades. I mean, there were just a, there was just a never-ending flow of ways that you would reinforce this public story that was both political and religious and provided the justification for, in Rome's mind, of its own existence and the way that it existed in the world. Make sense so far? Yeah. And that, when secular power is given divine blessing, that is called a civil religion. And Gorman defines civil religion this way. The attribution of sacred status to secular power. Hmm. Okay, so the attribution of secular power, giving that sacred status. Yeah, um, and and that secular power is a source of divine blessing, requiring devotion and allegiance. Um, to the sacred secular power as expressed in various narratives and and storytelling devices, right? A symbolic universe, if you will. So civic religion is when you take secular power. Seth Thomas, okay, I love you and you are so adorable, but not right now, okay? On YouTube, he keeps making faces Uh, at Tim and it's very uh, distracting.
2: Hey, hey, describe.
0: No, don't hit subscribe. How would they, why would they subscribe to this sort of unprofessional I, 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 nonsense? I, I,
2: I'm gonna die.
0: Oh my goodness. All right. Can you be quiet for a little bit? Uh, sorry. Sure. Yeah. Promise. And not make faces in the YouTube.
2: Um, sorry, YouTube. I, I got a blessing. <laughs> All right.
0: All right. So that wedding of sacred and secular power is called civic religion. Yeah. Right when you when you pronounce divine blessing upon um, a nation state and its power, yeah, Um, and so so Gorman goes on to argue there are three elements of civil religion that we see in uh, Roman power and we also see in the United States. First of all, um, the ideology or theology of the sacralization of the states, including its power, its prosperity, its peace. It's activities, accomplishments, especially in expansion and war. Mm-hmm. It's guiding myths and values and it's past <clears throat> heroes and current leaders. And we'll get into examples of all of these. Yeah, uh, Civil religion also implies uh, another dimension of it is a commitment and practices that demand solemn devotion and allegiance to the state as a sacred responsibility to be expressed in public rituals. Yeah. So... Mexicans, Pledge of Allegiance is a yeah. great example of that, or, or singing Iенных, the national Kids, anthem. I
2: expressions- Seth, hey, uh, what's what's? Let me ask you. Waag,
0: let me ask you a question. Yes. What does the word "quiet" mean? Do you know um, that word?
2: Uh, quiet. Yeah. It uh, is quiet.
0: Yeah, that's not talking.
2: Not talking, sisters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Seth. I need to get through this. Uh, for this? Yeah. yeah. There's no one else home, so there's oh, no one else to house. channel. Uh, okay. Sorry. How about this? Yeah, okay. I'll make you a deal. Okay. All right. All right. Let Tim and I record. Okay. And then I'll give you kisses. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> deal. That's the cheapest deal I ever got away with. So uh, the sacralization of the state is one dimension of civil religion. Solemn devotion and allegiance through public ritual. That's another uh, dimension of civil religion. And then secretism, which is the reinterpretation of the culture's dominant religious tradition to incorporate the, the blessing of the state and solemn allegiance to it. So you adjust whatever the religious tradition is so that the state is included, and that's yeah. part of the religion itself. <laughs> Make sense? Uh huh. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I wonder where this is going. <laughs> so, Revelation is a critique, a dramatic, mm-hmm. thorough, unqualified critique of civil religion that uses Rome as an example, but gives us a set of lenses out of which we can critique any right. civil religion, whether you are in um, Sweden or Louisiana. Um, the same set of questions revelation is designed to provoke. The answers will look different, of course. But this isn't uh, uh, this isn't because we hate America. This is because America does have a civil religion that the mm-hmm. church is supposed to be discerning towards and engaged with. So, um, let's go through each of these, you know, sections. Um, the ideology of American civil religion, and these are all big words and themes that deserve much more. But like, we all know them, right? So one of the things is um, that we were that I was taught was American exceptionalism,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that America holds a unique place in God's plan, um, and we're in some sense chosen, and um, we have a chosen and almost salvific role in the world, and that role is to bring democracy to everybody. Um, and, uh, you know, we, I learned in history about Manifest Destiny. Yeah. Um, the, you know, even as recently as George W. <clears throat> Bush saying the United States is the light of the world. Um, and, and like with everybody else, yeah. I was just like, okay, sure. Okay, yeah. okay. I mean, sure. America is awesome and a force okay. for good in the world. So th- there's a sense of exceptionalism, which includes a sense of chosenness and almost... Like, um, uh, he calls it messiah, messianism. But um, I don't know if we would never have looked at America as the, the world's, you know, savior. But I do think some of that language does creep in. Oh, you know When sure. we're talking about city on the hill or whatever. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he also identifies uh, in our founding story uh, kind of a... Um, a myth of innocence where we believe that America's actions have always been in the interest of the nations and of bringing about the highest ideals um, through, even if we have to engage in war, the, the, the role, the role of war is to bring democracy and to set people free and to bring liberation. And so we're always operating according to the highest principles of ethics and justice um, and that when we are criticized or attacked, we're the innocent victim always. Yeah. Um, and this you know naturally results the combination of exceptionalism, and um, you know this sort of chosen innocence that accompanies it can very easily result in nationalism, which is the belief that America is the best country. Um, of the earth, yeah. and we're the we're the best country, and our job is to make the world like America, um, which is exactly what Alexander the Great said, and what the Roman Empire said, and it, it's interesting, but but in this sense, it's right because democracy and liberty and freedom and all of that is those are actually good gifts. Mm-hmm. So um, we have we have this idea that we are chosen, blessed, and commissioned by God. And, and the signs of that approval are the unprecedented wealth and power that we have accumulated in a relatively short 400-year period of our history. We are one nation under God, and God that we trust, imprinted on one of our idols' money, which is fascinating. Um, and, and therefore, devotion, extreme devotion to our country, can be excused as religious devotion because God has selected and blessed America. We value human liberty and rights as a divine gift, right? Our declaration of independence starts with God has bestowed upon all of us rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is what, uh, what we would define as salvation in worldly terms, what we offer to the world. Yeah. And the furtherance of freedom is, a, is in, that, in, in that way a divine mandate and mission, and, um, and so we define life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness in very Western European individualistic ways. But never mind that, um, we tell the story we tell ourselves and the story that America tells about itself is that because these are the goods we're offering the world, uh, whatever violence is necessary to achieve those ends is automatically justified. Yeah. And and that leads us to the next dimension of civil American civil religion, is that is of militarism and sacred violence, and um, that part of America's exceptional place in history is its divinely granted permission or mandate to use violence when peaceful means are unsuccessful or undesirable. Yeah. Um, You know, we can uh, there. And and I don't want to get into, even for a second, like World War II, the difference between the world, world War II or the Gulf War. I don't want to, I have no idea whether or not those wars were justified or, I mean, World War II seems like, well, hey, guys, they're enslaving and um, murdering, you know, Jews. Um, we need to do something about this. Like that, I think I would have Genocidist. signed up or at least not yeah. resisted, you know, going in that case. But there have been conflicts like the wmds the invasion of Iraq that seemed a lot flimsier and um, and but again, it's part of the mandate to provide freedom, protection, peace, and security to the world um, and so we have this and and this myth of redemptive violence is I mean, it's everywhere. It's it's all it's all of our comic book movies, yeah. right? It's that people, good people with power, are the answer to bad people with power, mm-hmm. and that violence against bad people with power is redemptive. That's how we fight against evil, yeah. and um and that you know undergirds all, almost all of our popular culture. Um, and I mean, I love the John Wick movies. I love the Marvel movies. I love the like, I, I'm i all in um, for the bad people getting theirs in the end. Right. But when you just take a step back and you realize that the same story is told over and over and over, it's, it's violence is what is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you contrast that with the story the Bible tells about itself. Well, then you begin to wonder, oh, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe we ought to be a little curious about... Um, the American story or at least the American value in that way um, so so if the ideology and theology of America or of civil religion is blessing the uh, and sacramentalizing the state mm-hmm. um, then the idea that you know when people quote this chronicles verse if my people who are called by my name, you know, repent and get on their knees and pray, "I will bless their land or heal their land that is that is civic religion at its finest. that's a, a covenant verse given to Israel, now applied to America, implying that we are God's people, chosen by him, and he would heal our land if we would just but you know just but repent right and um, and so you know, this stuff sounds like, ah, kind of we would all agree in theory, but then when you look at how that ideology works itself out in practices and symbols, so this is from Gorman. So here's just a list of sacred language, music, text, stories, symbols, spaces, rituals, and holy days. And again, the goal is not to bag on America. The goal is to ask questions that aren't comfortable for a lot of us to ask. Yeah. So, um, and, and so, I, I want to suggest that America uh, has a civic religion. And that civic religion, under Gorman's definition of three elements, ideology, we just looked at the ideology, now we're going to look at the practices and the public rituals, but also involves syncretism, yeah. where the dominant religious tradition has been co-opted in service to the sacralization of power. So, sacred symbols and spaces... Um, national flags are sacred objects, and there's a whole etiquette uh, around those. Um, national flags being present in churches, um, crosses in military or other non church contexts, like military medals in the form of a cross, blending of Christian and national images, like the cross and the flag, Jesus and the flag. We see this all over yeah, the place. Yeah. Um, you know, Jesus is my savior, but so and so was my president. We also have sacred rituals and holy days. So we have a national day of prayer for America. Um, We have um, Martin Luther King Day, the recognition of a rare prophetic component of American life and civil religion. President's Day, Memorial Day, Independence Day, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving... Um, if you begin to like, dig into these a little bit, you realize, oh, well, they are celebrating mm-hmm. certain parts of the American story. And, and, and I'm not arguing that they're not worth celebrating. Right. I'm just trying to point out the ways in which American Christianity can function as a civil religion and the way in which revelation would be opposed to it so functioning. Yes, We have state funerals and national moments of silence. We have a congressional chaplain. We have prayer at political and civic events. We have prayer around a flagpole. Um, See you at the pole was a thing when I was a youth pastor. We have national days of prayer and prayer breakfasts. We say the Pledge of Allegiance at school or other civic gatherings to the flag as an icon of a nation under God. Mm -hmm. Um, We play the national anthem at sporting events. We swear on the Bible, at least, you know... Uh, in most contexts still. Chaplains' prayers are made before military combat missions. Um, we also have religious rituals that are made civil. In other words, we pledge allegiance in the church. That was something we did. Recognition of uh, military and and veteran holidays, Um prayer for those serving our country or the troops in church, sermons and children's sermons on patriotic themes, the use of patriotic music and worship, religious events on national holidays, religious gatherings in times of national crisis. Again, nothing wrong with a lot of these things, but when you weave the tapestry together, there's a civil religion present in America that has to be resisted by the church. That's the only point I'm making. Do I think veterans are worthy Yes. Of praise and honor and prayer, yes, yes, utterly and absolutely. And should the church gather in ty- times of national crisis, yes. This is not about whether these things are right or wrong. It's about the story that this whole matrix tells, and that plays out civil religion to the point where um, people are dividing in church over uh, they're break we're breaking fellowship with each other over political differences. Yeah. And um, that's how much the church has been infected with this. Um, so we also use sacred language, like war is a mission. Uh, we have a sacred duty and honor to serve. Um, we are called, yep. all right? We've been called to be the light of the world, like a divine passive. Um, we say, God bless America. That's, we even have a song that's, that's this. Um, we have all sorts of allusions to the Bible in civic language right? I mean, uh, we, you've got Republican candidates talking about our battles not against flesh and blood and then naming flesh and blood candidates. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I'm sure, I'm sure everyone does this. That was just an example that came into my head. Um, uh, attribution of biblical language for God or Israel to America blatantly. Um, lack of theological specificity. like we, we can quote Jesus's words, but not mention Jesus's name. We have sacred uh, music and national hymns, right? God bless America, America, my country, tis of thee. Um, uh, we have hymns with explicitly nationalistic and militaristic language, like Battle Hymn of the Republic, hymns with allegorical militaristic language interpreted literally and nationalistically, like Onward Christian Soldiers. Yep. We have sacred texts, so we have sacred language, music, and texts. the Declaration of Independence, Constitution, Bill of Rights. We have famous speeches by sacred leaders and heroes, Patrick Henry, Abraham Lincoln, Douglas MacArthur, John Kennedy, Martin Luther King. We have biblical texts that seem to underwrite national values, such as freedom and redemptive violence. We have sacred stories of sacred leaders and heroes, our saints, our martyrs, or our prophets. The founding fathers are held in such esteem, leaders in crisis like Kennedy's Profiles and Courage, great warriors like Patton or MacArthur. Um, These various aspects of civil religion, just like in the Roman Empire, come to expression in two kinds of venues. The civil venues and the political venues, which are speeches, parades, school events, sporting events, military ceremonies, etc., and religious venues, like church services, on the other. And this is a, a parallel to what has happened. This is parallel to what has happened in the United States. Many civic and political events have a religious dimension, and religious events sometimes take on a civic and political dimension. Right. One and and this is straight from Gorman. So this is a quote. One major difference, how, uh, however, is extremely important to recognize: the syncretism. And syncretism is the blending of. Of faiths, the syncretism of Rome's civil religion involved the blending of Roman ideology and pagan religiosity, but the syncretism of American civil religion involves the blending of American ideology and Christian ideology, and that's where the problem lies. Um, that that I have no issue at all with people saying love of country is a good thing. And I do. I really love that I live where I live. And I don't want to ever take it for granted or the people who've sacrificed to make it so. Yeah. What I want to be resistant towards, however, is a certain understanding of power that is celebrated and held holy in America uh, that is consistent with other uh, empires throughout The world where there is some cultural good that could be legit, whether it was Greek, thought, mathematics, Mm -hmm. um, uh, order, culture. I mean, that was Alexander the Great's project of Hellenism to turn the world Greek. The rest of the world was in darkness. Alexander was the light. (laughs) And it's easy for me to hold that exact same view towards my country of origin. And to hold it uncritically yeah and so you know we we started this whole revelation conversation talking about Christian nationalism or Christian nationism and uh, and and we always get very negative feedback people um, <laughs> were uh, you know we're sounding like CNN or something and um, certainly I, I don't what to ever sound like cnn or anybody else I, I i'm i'm doing my best and we are doing our best to take our cues from the text and then examine the particular temptations of our tribe yeah and what i've seen in my tribe is the anointing of uh, what i saw in my tribe uh is as i was growing up i was told character matters and um, you, you, you elect a president for character who represents family values. And then I saw my tribe totally ignore that advice and then wonder, um, why isn't everybody on board with this person who's God's anointed? We're not, annoyed, we're not, we're not hiring a, a pastor. Um, we're hiring a president, and God's used you know, all sorts of crazy people to do God's work in the world. Um, it, it wasn't my vociferous opposition... Oh. to the particular person. That was a 10-cent word. Although, although there, was, there was some of that. But it was the fact that we would anoint, as my tribe, anybody. Yeah. And it didn't matter if it was the previous president or it didn't matter if it was James Dobson um, <laughs> who was running for president. It, the, the individual <clears throat> didn't matter. The process of anointing, this is the most important election of our lifetime. And we have to take our country back for God. That, all of that is antithetical to the New Testament. Yeah. Absolutely. Because um, you cannot be devoted to a nation state and to the kingdom of God at the same time. Um, A nation state is a geopolitical entity with geographical boundaries. It has laws and policies for citizenship and a Pledge of Allegiance. It enforces borders. Nation-states are based on the threat of coercive power. And they have a self-interested agenda in the world. And that agenda, at least in the West, is maximizing individual liberty. The kingdom of God is transnational. Every tongue, tribe, and nation. So it can't be locked into geographical boundaries. It has no policies or laws for citizenship other than baptism, made up of the people who believe and confess faith. Instead of enforced borders, it has an open table. Instead of the threat of coerced power, it's built entirely on self-sacrificial love. There is no agenda for the world other than the ministry of reconciliation. And rather than maximizing individual liberty, we are to be people transformed into the image of the true human Jesus. So it's simply impossible to allow um, uh, allegiance to the nation state to win out over allegiance to the kingdom of God and call yourself a Christian. It's just not how it works. To be a Christian is precisely to be somebody who's no longer defined by geographical, political, social, ethnic boundaries. Right? Yeah. And so the danger is that we have wrapped up a bunch of God speech into the geographically defined boundary and idea of America, liberty, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I think what Revelation would do as the rest of the, the New Testament is call that allegiance into question. Yeah. Uh, call that public story into question. And the problem is, well, people will say, yeah, but America's story is the Christian story. But it's not. America's story is about a nation state. The Christian story is about a kingdom of God that is not of at all like this world. Jesus didn't come to give us an improved version of one of the kingdoms of the world. He didn't come to tweak the kingdoms of the world, whether that kingdom of the world is America or Saudi Arabia or what have you. Right? Jesus came to offer something that isn't a kingdom of the world at all but transcends all of them. And what's fascinating, this is the last big point, Tim, is that the, the, the predominant interpretation of America in the book of Revelation has been the interpretation that is the most unqualifiedly militaristic and pro-American interpretation of Revelation. Yeah. In other words... The, one of the ways of this. <laughs> this was so huh? I know I know, Nate was calling, but we can't yeah. talk right now.
2: I saw, I saw my- Oh, that's
0: okay. I mean, we were just on a roll right there. Yeah. We were just on a roll. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You, I've got yeah. Mazzy in here now, too. I know. I can tell. I can tell. But Mazzy's being quiet, which yeah. is wonderful. Mazzie. Not anymore. Yeah. Do you see? Oh, there she is. <laughs> Hi, Mazzy. Hi, Hello. I, I don't think she can hear us. Because Tim has his headphones know, in. I think okay. Tim is texting for help at that juncture. I'm trying to. I
2: don't
0: know. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is real life right here. This is what oh, it, it really is. <laughs> all right. All Sethi, looks so, like. let me just finish this. I'm almost done. Hi, Mazzy. We love you. We're coming to see you. It's going to be great. But I want to notice, I want us to notice, that the American civic religion was the civic religion that chose the interpretation of revelation that totally fit American civil religion. Right, right. Because what is revelation if not, dude? Look at us go. America is the world savior and has a crucial part in God's plan. Right. Um. We are suspicious of anything that anyone else in the world does, whether it's the United Nations or the European Union. Um, We are the greatest nation on earth, and the rest, you know, our job is to help make everybody else American. I mean, we chose... And the myth of redemptive violence. God is coming with a sword coming out of his mouth, and he's going to slaughter all the idolatrous rebels. It's fascinating that, that American civil religion baptized... The one view of Revelation, that's uncritically pro-American. Yeah. And so I just find that so interesting. So the point today, friends, if we can somehow get through all of this. (laughs) The point today is not to argue about whether or not America has done good in the world. We have. Or that we've done bad in the world. We have. Or that we have a complex history. We do. It's not to argue about whether or not we should celebrate those holidays. I'm not interested in that at all, and I'm certainly not interested in um, calling into question uh, the ways in which real people have made real sacrifices for the way, the, the, the protection and freedom that we can have, whether that's in law enforcement, whether that's first responders, whether that's in the military, like massive amounts of respect. All of that said, however... It is incumbent upon the church to look at the narratives around money, sex, and power. This is a story about power and how it should be exercised. Yeah. That is why, because of American civic religion, we have no problem engaging in a culture war. Because culture war is simply the expression of the American story, right, in Christian terms against other Christians and other people, other yeah. Americans. Yes. Right? So, yeah, the soul of our nation is at stake. And I, I want to just call into question all of that language to say we, we are to be engaged uh, politically and to be thoughtful politically. Um, but that if, if most pastors couldn't go in and have a sermon like this on a Sunday morning without a lot of people walking out, then maybe, maybe Revelation has something to say to us. Because I don't know that I could. I th- you know, I mean, it's, I like could. it's a matter
1: of changing the conversation because the way that we currently have it, it's there's two camps. There's one that doesn't like this, like you know, theocratic kind of system, and then there's a, there's a camp that does, and then so it just is always a divisive argument. So yeah. it's like with what you're talking about, it's like how do you change? Like you mentioned, manifest destiny, right? Even in the name, manifest destiny, that we are. Destined to manifest our greatness across no matter the cost to other people, right? Right. Hi, <laughs> Bezzy. It's just real life. <laughs> oh, man, what a junk show. But we ordained like massacres. And so, how do you, I've, I you would think that most people would, would say that that is not good. That is not a yeah. good human thing yeah. to do to run through and massacre people however yeah. that is a piece of christian nationalism and so it's like how what? do you change that conversation so it's about there's so much gray area and we've made it like this there's just no way to have a like a nuanced conversation about it
0: oh you mean like it's all or nothing
1: yeah that's kind of how we're, that's kind of where we are yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. but it's you, not like either, that
0: you either love god guns and and america or you don't and you pick out of that and list or you're a
1: liberal exactly yeah. So, how do you yeah. change that conversation so that you can have, like, a yeah, we have some dark spots in our history. Yeah. And God is not super pumped on genocide. So, yeah. how do you, like, yeah. have a conversation? It's like, yes, I want America to be great. And there are some great things about it, like democracy and those kind of things like that. How do we have an yeah. honest conversation? It's the CRT conversation, right? Like, not acknowledging or the, the meme that I mentioned about Germany studying the Holocaust and studying their dark history so that they may grow and learn and move away from that kind of ideology. Yeah. Why can't we be that way here and say, yeah, we've made some gnarly mistakes. Let's not do that again. Yeah. Yeah. And we've done it in the name of God. Like I don't, I I don't think you watched Yellowstone, which is a very soap opera, but the spinoffs really spend some time looking at how, how insane, um, our like trying to breed out the native americans and how to force Mm -hmm. through violence christianity into these Mm -hmm. people i think that's really gnarly and that is not the Mm -hmm. gospel of jesus and that is not but it is a core piece of american history that we need to reconcile and not
0: repeat but yeah you would think you would think christians would be pro tell the truth, confess our sins, <sighs> lament and re- repent. Yes, you know what I mean. That's and, literally the whole book, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't know. I mean I I, I don't I'm not Stop. I'm not sure what's at threat by t- talking about the, the like the Tulsa race massacre yes. or talking about slavery um and being honest about how it is that we talk about it I'm not I don't I can't represent whatever position that is well I don't I'm not under because I I to your point because we love the church we want to tell the truth about it and that's why we bless all of the people coming forward to tell stories of abuse or yes, whatever exactly it seems like taking the, a similar posture with our country like that it, it's not. It's not unpatriotic to, to, um, to examine or to be honest about our history and have that inform the decisions we make today. I, I don't know, bro. That's kind of it, wisdom, it just seems it? like Yeah. Sefi, I love you. Good night. <laughs> our kids are amazing. And, and they're both so dadgum cute <laughs> that I can't express my real frustration on there, lest you uh-huh. think yeah. less of me. Because he's amazing. It is hard to have a serious conversation. Well, I mean, oh, his face right now—you, this is a, this is a, a YouTube episode for sure because you're you're getting all the face, all the face, all the face. Um, <laughs> but that's what I'm so, interested
1: in: is how to how do you change the instead of it just being a a or b conversation, and a and you right. have to have one of those. How do you have a conversation within the church that? Really explores all of the all of the gnarly stuff so that we can grow and repent like actually repent from yeah our history so that we might face the center and grow in a positive way uh,
0: man i don't know i i politics like political identities have become dominant yeah and so I don't know how to engage. And, and, and I know the right will say the left started it and whatever else. I just see it everywhere.
1: That's well, just part of the A-B conversation.
0: Yeah. and um, Which shows and you so, how
1: inevitable it is if you tie Jesus into that A-B conversation. This is what it's... Oh,
0: absolutely. Well, imagine the American Civil War. Seth, Erie, uh, yes? do not take my phone. Uh, <laughs> I saw you sneaking away. Uh, I, I goof off. You're a goofball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I love you so much. You are you the best. Okay, like, yeah. I love you. Come here. All right. Let me finish up with Tim, okay?
2: Okay. I, I go upstairs. Okay, go so
0: upstairs.
2: Hey, I love you.
0: I love you, <laughs> Messi. Boom. Um, man, I don't know what I was saying. Oh, see, that... That's the risk right there. Not that it was great, but that, that there was a train of thought that was happening. And so what Revelation does is to say, okay, um, there is no universally benevolent exercise of, of power over in the world. It yeah, will yeah. always corrupt. Always. So we have to be suspicious of all everything that claims power over, even the versions of Christianity that claim power over. Yeah. And um, I think the Bible—I would argue—the Bible is really clear that political power is not one of the options for how Christians are to influence the world. No, um, like in a democracy, having I get asked my opinion and I get to vote, fantastic. But winning a culture war seems so antithetical to the entire Sermon on the Mount and the way what, of Jesus. And what in the do world. you? What
1: do you even win? What's the prize? Well,
0: we won the Supreme Court. Right, abortion. I mean that. W- but that was the that was the, like the coup de gras was yeah. if we could overturn Roe, at least from my tribe. If we could overturn Roe, and protect innocent lives, and I'm all for less abortions, absolutely. And I, I think most people are, for less abortions. Yeah, I agree. So I'm not arguing that there should be more abortions. <laughs> it's just just to clarify. How does the church? How does the church? manifest and embody uh, a Jesus who would be would be crucified by his enemies and forgive them rather than exercising he gave he had the temptation to have political power Satan offered him the kingdoms the right. political term of the world and he refused and um and so how am I are we trustworthy with political power and history has shown no yeah. and present day has shown no so my my thought is that the church has to be the place where identity is structured around something other than political values. Right. So yesterday so that,
1: I sent you a meme, or not a meme. Sorry, a um, an ad from a church in Fairfield, which is about an hour from here, and they open up their parking lot for people who are living in their cars yes. and say, "Hey, oh, yes. you can come park here. We'll have security from eight p.m. to uh, from four p.m. to eight a.m." You can get showers, you can have, we'll give you um, dinner and breakfast and, and nothing for the church. Like it's just the church saying, Hey, this is something that we've been tasked with is to care and, and to offer dignity to other humans, those who are without, and they're doing it and it's completely apolitical. It's not like, yep. There's no goal other than providing for other humans. I was like, that's very encouraging in so that's, you know, that's a small model. I only saw that get shared because it is so abnormal.
0: <laughs> no, like, absolutely. This, this
1: is amazing. Look at this church. Being well, a I don't, church.
0: I don't, I don't think it is abnormal. I just don't think we ever hear. Well, I think it's
1: abnormal to this conversation. Like it's not what takes yeah. the press yeah, yeah. by storm. And so when these, when these stories come out, people I think are a little surprised. Like, oh, there's the church is doing church work.
0: Yeah. And, and, and it's there that we embody the upside down yes. view of power, right? That Jesus embodied, not power over, but power under almost. The power of service or example or wisdom, but not the power of control or manipulation or force. And um, the, the, I, I think the church has become so corrupted. We've talked about this, that I can't imagine someone even being a Christian on the opposite side you know like Christianity has been reduced right. to agreement with my political positions totally. and people come to church now fully formed politically and they're here they're waiting to see how you explain the bible in terms of whether or not they agree right it's not it's not hey i want my opinions held up next to the text it's i have my opinions and i will go to a church that reinforces those opinions yeah. because they're already fully formed and the text will either, you know, I'm looking for a place where the, where the text will just uh, uh confirm and affirm me in those opinions. And and it's been the hardest thing to navigate since 2016 and then into COVID has been the the fact that like we've tried to talk about race. Yeah. and uh, and justice and you can't even I mean those are like justice that's a bible word yeah. but you can't even bring it up so it's um, interesting like-
1: when you were talking about uh, last week and that the blood on jesus robes were, was his blood and it pre- and it was like it was before the battle and this Ooh. idea of the you know stuff that we've talked about a thousand times that's intrinsic to the christian faith that um jesus wins by by being sacrificed by being martyred he wins by losing uh, and It is so antithetical to the American idea. We don't we don't win by losing. Of winning, yes. Yeah. And so this idea of I, like on Easter, I was taught on self uh, on uh, prejudice, and mm-hmm. there's this idea of self preservation that has become intrinsic to humanity. And it's interesting in light of this martyred Jesus with blood on his robes. That is his blood. Yeah. Um, this idea of self-preservation that has leaked into the church, following a martyred God, is a totally. really in- interesting juxtaposition. And then we start to dictate things because now we are the victims. We, we've talked about that a yeah. lot. Like
0: yeah, yeah, Christians yeah. are
1: the victims; we're the target. We
0: have something to protect. Yes.
1: Yeah, so that self-preservation it, becomes a key yep. piece of Christianity.
0: Uh, well, that's what the culture wars about. Yeah. Preserving. Whatever whatever was, whatever version of America we thought we had or whatever version of Christianity and the culture was, I mean, whatever it was. Yeah. And I and I want to be very generous with people who see this differently because I've been around some people who experience deep and true grief over things that our kids get exposed to mm-hmm. way before they're able, to assumptions being made um, culturally that that and 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 that grief and that confusion and disorientation, all of that is real. Yeah. And the fact that it's not listened to um means we have these pockets of just rage and anger um that that you know that that manifest themselves in super ugly ways on both sides. And so I'm I'm I, I want to be incredibly generous. Um, but what's happened in me the last several years and I would say the last two decades in particular has been the um, the working out of what it means when Jesus says, Carry your cross mm. and um of all the images he could use to follow yeah to but and 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 what and how the disciples 3 times Jesus predicted his death and 3 times they they wanted power, status, prestige, and how I I'm exactly like them. Yeah. I have something to protect too. And so I I I can easily talk about the people out there, but the much more interesting conversation is in my heart. You know, I I grew up and we were all convinced America was the greatest place in the history of the world. Um and there was no like I never thought to think about America the beautiful, or God bless America, or whatever, because, well, clearly. But when I think about what a cross-shaped Messiah is, and what a kingdom of God is, as opposed to the kingdoms of the world, man, I just, I can't, like, like when we do the Pledge of Allegiance, or sing, like, the National Anthem, I just recite the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm, I'm opposed to those things, but because my identity doesn't come from them. My identity comes from the church and and the this social order that Jesus died and now inhabits to you know to create. And and so I try to resist the identity formation aspects of American society, um, whether that's political or elsewhere, right? The, that, that the the work of the principalities and powers is to take difference and energize it into division. Hmm. And so, one of those differences is political differences. And so, to sit and try to resist that, while being, oh, you're just trying to both sides it, and you're just forgiveness is weakness. I mean, it's just, it's just insane. Well, how do and you see that? So- like the
1: Bono, there's that, there is no them, there's only us. And so, that with within like the both sides conversation, how do you circumvent that so there is no sides? How do you circumvent it where it's just like there's humanity? right and and that's what we're that's what we are yeah or like even eddie's last record eddie vetter like the when he was talking <laughs> about the title of the of the record he was trying to think of what was the most encompassing word for humanity and he called it earthling it was like it was it was like he that's, delineated that's a up to yeah yeah because he yeah, wanted yeah. it to be something that encompassed everybody that's right and so it's like how do we model that so that 'Cause it's like I don't That's why we're in therapy, bro. Well, how do we even have how can you even have a conversation with your church or any church if it is predicated, if it's built
0: upon a both sides uh dynamic? Yeah, like, you can't. Yeah. If you if you if you are in anywhere on the quote sides continuum, yes. you've already lost. Yeah. So we have to so that's at least what we do, and oh, good Lord, I'm sure it can be done much better. But what we try to do is to practice community formation as the number one goal. We are constantly You're trying we to... we as in your church. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> because until we find identity in something other than politics yeah. and culture war, we can't even open up the conversation to share a table with somebody who you know, would hold the exact opposite totally. view of us on. Uh, because both sides will argue, well, they're doing real harm in the world. And you and I would agree that there are, at times, some of the views out there are so abhorrent that they're doing real harm in the world. 100%. And so how do we resist and oppose and uh, tell a different story without be- be- becoming the very thing... You know that we're warring against yeah and and that's the sermon on the mount i mean i think that that's the that's the ball game right there is the church engages in a new way of resisting evil that doesn't involve power well, It's over. like that black
1: man that befriended all
0: the which we've used totally. many times as an example but
1: befriending yes, all the kkk all the guys, guys and plan. then yeah collecting their robes and he has like 200 robes yeah. or something in his closet that are yeah and that's just every, such every a, time one of them yeah.
0: repented or yeah and, Unreal, and, what a
1: crazy, every time that comes up, it's like, that's just...
0: Totally, but our church's power and money is spent on providing a good worship and teaching event, right. and um, it's to the point where church identity is now based on personality, oh, yeah, or, totally. you know, so it's, it's man, it, it, is, it is almost impossible. Now, Timothy, I love you. And you and I have an identity as shared co-hosts. Today, we also have an identity as fathers, <laughs> as our children have made their presence. And, and we, want, we want them to yeah. be seen and heard. Um, I now have to sign off. My wife is bringing Costco home, and she is then leaving for this camp. <laughs> I must fulfill my identity as helper, supportive father, Mama's yelling at Seth to get ready to go. And so it's on, it's ladies on. and gentlemen. It's all so practice, Where I'm going to practice power under is right now. <laughs> I have so many times a day in my parenting, with my sweetie, with myself, and things that frustrate me to choose whether to display power over or power under. I, at least for now, in the next five minutes, I'm going to display power under. As I display power over the groceries from Costco. There you go. So, take that, America. (laughs) Anyway, we love you guys. Thanks for being willing. Sincerely, thank you for being willing to have these conversations with us. Yeah. This means the world. And um, to be able to have this conversation with you, Tim, and in the community we've talked about, Knowing that there's grace if it's not perfect and there's benefit of the doubt, um, man, that is, what a gift. So, Voxology community, thank you. Um, And Tim, thank you. Mike, thank you. Thank you more. (laughs) Anyway, friends, until next time, see ya.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Voxology. You can also join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials facebook.com backslash voxology podcast and on instagram at voxology thank you thank you thank you for walking the long road with us